This is Mark Shanowski. It's now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special. And here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome in to the 16th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you tonight on August 24th. 2018, welcoming listeners to the 16th episode of Will's 5th Quarter Special. I'm here tonight with a guest co-host who I plan to bring out a lot of new sports perspectives for the listeners here. Hector Carrion, my fellow co-worker over at WZND, not too far on the campus now. Uh, glad uh, he can come on after the first week of classes. So Hector, yeah. welcome to the show. I know you've uh, been following it a little bit. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, Thanks for having me. Really excited. A lot of Redbird yeah. sports to talk about here tonight, Hector, as... We have a very exciting show coming as the Illinois State Volleyball team opens their 2018 season on the road in Georgia as they just won in four sets against Furman in Game 1. What can we expect from the Redbirds in the next two games in this weekend's tournament of the Benson Invitational over in Athens, Georgia? Under second-year head coach Leah Johnson and five senior players, how can this Redbird team grow this season with its newcomers and start off well early? The Illinois State football team has made a sudden quarterback change just after their red-white scrimmage last week as Brady Davis is the new starter. How does this impact the future of the Redbird offense? The Redbirds start the 2018 season next Saturday at home for their home opener hosting the St. Xavier University. How can the Redbirds start the season with a victory? New Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy gets a early preseason test before week one Saturday afternoon as the Bears get set to host a preseason matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. How can Nagy's Bears fare against his old team from Kansas City? The Bears have a good offensive and defensive play this preseason. How can players like newly signed Roquan Smith and Allen Robinson continue to grow before week one comes? The Chicago White Sox saw a solid two-inning debut from their top pitching prospect Michael Kopech. How can the young right-hander fare in his first full start Sunday on the road against the Detroit Tigers? The White Sox have seen good growth this year, but various questions face them in August. How can the Southsiders answer them in the closing weeks of the regular season? And on the north side, the Chicago Cubs brought in Cub killer Daniel Murphy in an early trade this week and saw another walk-off home run in the 10th inning today in in their matchup uh, from David Bodie against the Reds. How can the Northsiders see a positive impact from that trade and Players coming in at the key situations toward their postseason hopes in 2018. The Cubs also shut down starter Hugh Darvish, who they gave a six-year deal to for the he's shut down for the year. How does this reflect decisions made on the team's pitching staff moving forward? The show will continue to monitor the offseason of the Chicago Bulls as it follows, and Will Sports Movie Moment will close the show as usual. So Hector, we're gonna start on Two topics that are new to the show. It's the first time this show is going on in the fall semester. We're back on the campus. A lot of excitement around sports finally starting up. Classes finishing here and there the first week. A lot of things going on already this first week. It's been crazy. Yeah, it definitely has. It's been a really eventful week, definitely. Oh, I I couldn't agree more, man. And we got to see a lot of viable action before the first day started this week. We got to see a red and white scrimmage from the volleyball team as well like the football team does it's exciting to see it's a way even before an exhibition or regular season game to see what you have there how the players are going to fit playing against each other because that'll just test them for gameplay and just to touch on it here they won a three-game sweep in their home exhibition at Doug Collins Court in Redbird Arena last weekend against the DePaul Blue Demons winning in three sets the Redbirds are 
They open their season this afternoon in Athens, Georgia. One of three games in a tournament. They have four different tournaments in the next month. They're it's crazy. Their first regular season game at home won't be until September 28th. That's pretty rare uh, for a volleyball season. And I just want to get your thoughts on some of this, Hector. They they won this game in four sets, three sets to one. Came back after you know trailing one set to zero, and especially after that sweep. Just tell me what your thoughts are on those two games and. Maybe some signs you saw that uh, are already in a positive direction in this early season. You know, especially this early in the season, you always like to see your teams play that well. You know, no matter how old your team is, how many newcomers you have coming in the team, and when a team can start off the season playing that well, you, you feel like you're set up for success that year. And the Redbirds, not only did they play very well, most of their team from last year returned this year. They only, they only have three freshmen on the team, so everyone else was on the team last year. They have that experience, and with the upperclassmen you have on a team, you know, you can't beat that experience there. They've been through it. They've been through the ringer. They know how to win. They know how to take losses. They know how to bounce back from adversity. So with that and the way that the Redbirds have come out these first couple matches. I, f I feel like they're really set up to have a successful season this year. And a lot of credit goes to Coach Leah Johnson, who came to the team in her first season last year. A lot of the things she talked about last season, you know, I had the privilege to cover uh, them as a beat reporter last year, and I'm seeing that still what she's talked about. She talked about how important team chemistry is. And a standout player that I, when I was watching those games in the arena with the fans, uh, seeing this afternoon's game, uh, the way it unfolded, uh, you, you always look at the newcomers that come. There's, it's like with the Cubs. When they brought up Javi Baez, Aston Russell, they brought in some new players this year like every team does in um, baseball or any sports league or division. And you're always wondering how that new player is going to mesh, maybe if she's in the starting lineup for the first time, he or she, and you know how they're going to fit. You know, It's a very interesting question. But th the player to watch for me so far for me this year is, has to be sophomore transfer Kaylee Martin. Didn't have to travel too far to come to Redbird Nation. She came from uh, Northern Illinois University up north near Chicago. She's played so well already. Just seeing the way she fitted in in that home exhibition. She led the Redbirds in kills today against a team on the road in Furman. She had just an impressive total of 18 kills. Just, I mean, I remember seeing set one, six kills all of a sudden you're seeing 11 more this just what are your thoughts on maybe what you've heard about this new this new player in the lineup or what, what excites you about Kaylee Martin at this point um definitely the fact that she can come in this early and lead the team in kills already in their in the especially in the, the first match they had today in their tournament you know last year's team they lost a uh, key player Jalen Keene Graduated, that was a very big loss. Went on, went on to grad school to, at UAB. She's now playing beach volleyball down there. Nicer weather than here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, when you lose a key, real key player like that, and then you can bring someone else in that is already showing the potential to fill those shoes, it's always a really good thing to see. It's like that thing, uh, you know, this is Coach Johnson's first recruiting class, even with transfers and freshmen. Of course, we probably won't see – the lone freshman Taylor Lynch, who I think I, she's one of the freshmen that came into this program. Uh, Marissa Stockman's another name. Uh, Carly Nicholson. We saw Nicholson play just a few sets in uh, the home exhibition last weekend. But if you look at Taylor Lynch, she from Cedar Falls, Iowa, and Cedar Falls High School. She's six foot. Now she's not as tall as Allie Line. Allie Line's a good six foot one, but. 
when I saw Taylor Lynch play a little bit in that scrimmage, it made me think we might have a good replacement for what we lost, in, as you mentioned, with Jalen Keene leaving. That might be, you know, when Allie Lyon graduates, she's going to be that height that could fit in with what the Redbirds will be losing, especially at the end of this year. Definitely, and it's nice that she's a freshman, and I, I would really like to get to see her get more playing time in these preseason tournaments. Is that so? Because with that, you just can get her that experience that she doesn't have yet. So you get her playing time, and you get her that experience in these tournaments, and that can really translate over to the regular season. You, The experience she gets in these tournaments can turn her into a reliable player for this team in the season when games really matter when you're in conference play. I couldn't agree more. It's just exciting. You know, we, we, we can't just be excited about the coach who, you have to agree with me, Hector. Coach Johnson coming, you know, to a new program last year, she, she had a lot to work with, but it, it's got to be exciting to see the players she's going to bring in after this first recruiting class, maybe a new wave of freshmen coming in next year moving forward. But just let's highlight some of the seniors. There's five seniors now on this team. Some of the seniors that we have to talk about here is Allie Lyons, six foot one from Bargersville, Indiana. And Courtney Pence is the one of the main liberos for this Redbird team, a player you always look at when you think of Illinois State. And the two Lexis, Lexi Wong and Lexi Varg, who I think are, we got to say, like they talk about the two-headed monster like they always talked about that with the Patriots yeah. and tight ends in volleyball for ISU. I think that has to be the two Lexis right there. And then of course the senior setter who probably helped Steph Jankowitz a lot with Steph Jankowitz is just incredible with the consistent yeah. assist totals. I think a lot of that credit will go to Jordan Weathers as well, because Hector, you got to just a closing remark here before, you know, predict what we're going to see in these next two games here this weekend for the birds. What are your thoughts on how well you've seen the, upperclassmen help the newcomers because it's present you know when you when you hear about the team and you covered it on the red zone too last night I'm sure like what was the thing when you guys were talking about it that excited you about the way the newcomers are meshing with the upperclassmen and how the upperclassmen are helping those newcomers yeah we actually didn't get a chance to talk uh redbird volleyball last week but um you know it's always and it's a it's apparent already that these upperclassmen your seniors are really taking these underclassmen, your so your freshmen and sophomores, taking them under their under their wings, you know? <clears throat> yeah, just showing them the ropes. Showing yeah. them the ropes. They're showing them what it because they know what it takes. They know the work you gotta put in. They know it all. They've been through it all. So they're really taking these new people under their wings and I feel like it's good for the future of Redbird volleyball. It just excites it even more, Hector, and just a closing question here. It's the first time we're talking ISU volleyball, so we had a lot to cover tonight and, of course, a lot more moving forward this season as it unfolds. The next two games, they have a nine, a very early start tomorrow uh, in the doubleheader. They will be uh, facing off against two teams in Athens, Georgia, as we mentioned on the uh, – seeing some of their social media posts. That, that University of Georgia Stadium looks very well set for a volleyball game. That's a – if we brought some of the Redbird fans over there, that'd be an even more exciting environment for the team. But they have Coastal California tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. That's when the first serve will take off. And a first serve time hosting uh, Georgia, the University of Georgia Bulldogs. They will be facing the Illinois State Redbirds and Coach Johnson's second year with the program at 6.30 p.m. So when you look at both games, they're going to be both a test for the Redbirds, but Hector, I, I'm gonna. You're gonna probably obviously have your own opinion on this one here, but just my view would have to be with both games. The one to watch is obviously gonna be you know the Georgia Bulldogs are a high ring program in the NCAA in volleyball especially. But 
it's going to be a test to see how they carry from this game to tomorrow mornings. And they're going to be real tired. You know, they're going to have to probably, we'll probably, we'll see, as you mentioned, hopefully some of the rookies maybe fit in that first game to save maybe some energy for that second game. So seeing these two games coming up, what are your thoughts on both? Um, I, I want to see them carry in what they've been doing the last two games, just keep it rolling. You know, it's working right now, so just carry it into these next two games. They're going to be two tough games. You're playing two teams from power conferences, and you're not playing any, like, low conference, mid-major conference. You're, you're playing Georgia as an SEC team. They're, you're playing a power five team right there. So it, they're going to be tough matchups, but if the Redbirds can do what they've been doing, I feel like they can come out of this those two games with at least one victory, if not two. And as we mentioned, the Redbirds have their next two games in this weekend series. They won in four sets tonight, but we'll see what they do tomorrow. A 9 a.m. first serve against Coastal California. And following that, they'll have a interesting night game matchup with the hosting team Georgia Bulldogs in Athens, Georgia. Following that tournament this weekend they will come home but then head back on the road next weekend for a three-game set not too far from home this time in indianapolis indiana against eastern illinois the university of auburn and butler university now going into illinois state football brock speck the head coach of the redbirds gave a new face a chance after a good showing in the red white scrimmage game last weekend as junior transfer from memphis university brady davis was named the new starting quarterback for the Illinois State football team, replacing Jake Colby, the former starter for the Redbirds. Davis played two years for the University of Memphis Tigers with one game of play last season after he redshirted in 2015 and had a season-ending injury with his leg back in 2016. So, Hector, this was a shockwave that was just sent through the fans in yeah. Redbird Nation with football. Mm -hmm. Now, you were at the Red-White scrimmage. You guys covered a lot of football, I know, last night covering uh, – Talking to Spencer Snell, that's just a great person interview there. Yeah, uh, great interview really good there, personality. Yeah, really good um, yeah. Just tell me your opening thoughts on, you know, your, your fellow Redbird fan, like the fans and listeners we're reaching out to here in this episode. What are your thoughts on that position change? And you you, got, you probably talked to Snell about this too, I'm sure, last night on the Red Zone. So yeah. feed me some information about this change and maybe uh, what you're thinking. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good change, but – Brock's back. You know, the team kind of struggled offensively a little last year with Jake Colby playing quarterback, and then they bring in Brady Davis from a, a really good football team. Memphis, The Memphis Tigers had a great year last year. Producing Paxton Lynch years ago yeah, as well. Yeah, so he got to learn in a really good system. He got to learn behind a really good quarterback, and then he comes in here, and he wins a starting job. And uh, Brock's back has nothing but praise for him. He actually said that Brady Davis has it. He says, if you're a wow, quarterback, that's you need to right have there. it. And Brock's back says Brady, Brady Davis has it. So, you know, that's when your head coach says that about your quarterback, you can't help but be excited for what's to come from him. And then yesterday, talking to Spencer Schnell, he said the same thing. You know, they're really excited. Um, Brady Davis is a really good quarterback, really athletic, fast, can throw the ball. But Brady, or excuse me, uh, Spencer Schnell also said that the team doesn't feel like they have just one quarterback now. They don't feel like Brady Davis came in and took over the team. They feel as if they have two quarterbacks that can both lead them to hopefully a playoff appearance and hopefully a national championship. Yeah, I think we'd all like to see is 
we had we didn't get to see that championship game years ago no, against North Dakota State. Bring it back to Hancock Stadium for us to see uh, this semester. And I, I couldn't agree more, Hector. Just reading a little bit about this new quarterback, it seems like he's really good in the pocket, has really good timing. Obviously, Spencer Snell would know, you know, working with him and some of the other players. It's interesting, you know, they had a lot of changes on the offense side as well as uh, Malachi Brodnicks is now a safety on the other side. I didn't know that till uh, this morning. So it just interesting stuff for this team already. Some coaching changes Brock's back made in the offseason had to be done the way the team. Now, I wouldn't say they've played bad the last years. They've played exceptionally well, but they just weren't finding the end product they were looking yeah, for. Yeah, they weren't. I think the team, they obviously, Redbird fans, hold them to high expectations, you know, especially being um, in the conference they are the in. The Missouri Valley Football Conference in the FCS is the best football conference there. So, you know, we're in the best conference. You look you look back to just last year when the Redbirds were ranked. They were, I believe they got into the top 10. At the time the Redbirds were in the top 10, I want to say at least five of the other teams in the top 10 came from the Missouri Valley. So, you know, you're playing a really tough conference. Your fans hold you to high standards. So you're expected to win. And when you don't, you know, you... You gotta face the consequences. Yeah, you I couldn't make changes. I couldn't agree more. And you mentioned, as you mentioned, you talked to Spencer Snell, quoted well by the vedette. They do just, I can't say enough how great the vedette is with news and sports coverage here. They do a really good job covering things around Illinois State and Bloomington Normal. The quote that they have from Spencer Snell, the senior lead wide receiver now for ISU, as Christian Gibbs is now in the uh, Cleveland Browns organization, who I think is going to be exciting in the National Football this year. But Spencer Snell was quoted saying, "I want to win a national championship." And I want to have a good team year. If we can play well as a team, everything else is going to be great. And Schnell was great, not just what we're going to see this year in that scrimmage game, but last year just lights out. I remember covering that Eastern Illinois game on the road. He was that player, almost like a A.J. Green that's right there. You know, yeah. it was like an Andy Dalton, A.J. Green situation. And the and excuse me, the and the Redbirds have their own Joe Mixon type player. I'm going to compare it again to the Bengals. James Robinson, I I, I got to get your opinion on this. They brought in some new O-line players. What are your thoughts now that we have that updated O-line? You know, Kobe Buffalo is finally going to play for the yes. Redbirds. You know, the, the, the man that was on the Jimmy Kimmel show is finally going to play. So yeah. with him and the O-line, some of those new pieces, how do you feel about Jan the year of James Robinson and Markel Smith for Redbird Nation? You know, that is a big, <clears throat> excuse me, that is a, a scary one-two punch to have right there. For opponents, you know, if I'm an opposing defense and I see those guys back there, I see the quarterback the Redbirds have now. I see the solidified offensive line. And they have some good wideouts. It's it's going to be a tough task to hold down the Redbird offense this year. And that's going to translate hopefully to the defense as well. And they're losing Dalton Keene, a lot of key pieces. You know, we actually saw last night. We're going to talk about it probably down the road. The uh, game we saw last night, Browns and Eagles. He had a key tackle. You know, yeah. one of those Illinois State players. And just to close out the segment here, there's a lot of key players on both sides of the ball. We were just talking about few of many that are still there's, – there's not enough time to mention all those players one by one. But going into this game, it's interesting to see us playing St. Xavier University. Now, it, I'm sure they're a really good football program in their conference, but to see them in the home opener – I mean, last year we saw Butler. Now, hopefully this is a little more better competition for ISU because ISU just – Wiped the floor with Butler yeah, last year, 45-0. I, I was on that call, and it was, yeah, they, 
They blew them up. That was a game to watch right yeah. there. But hopefully this one, I'm hoping it's a little more competitive. I actually had the pleasure to do over at WZND Radio on the campus, just a great radio station for students and uh, just to connect with the area and sports for Illinois State students. I will be on my first career football play-by-play call alongside Joey Dwyer, my color analyst, and two other staffers. And uh, it'll just be a really good call to cover that game. So just let's give our predictions for this game a little bit, Hector. You know, you, you've probably thought a lot about this matchup. You know, during the offseason, you're excited to see regular season ISU football come back once again. I'm sure the students can agree the seats are going to be filled next Saturday night. How do you have the Redbirds doing in that game against St. Xavier? You know, St. Xavier doesn't come from a, a big conference. You know, they're definitely not going to be the strongest team we play this year. But the Redbirds need to come ready to play because I feel like this is a game, especially with your new quarterback, um, all the new coaching additions you made on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the defense is probably going to be the Redbirds' strength this year. It's going to be their strongest part. Um, but playing a team like St. Xavier, I really want – I personally – as a Redbird football fan, I want to see, basically, I want the Redbirds to do the exact same thing they did in last year's opener. And I'm, I'm expecting, honestly, a blowout against St. Xavier. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more as a Redbird fan. That's All Redbird fans are going to want that. But I'm going to ask you a little brief question here. You mentioned in the middle of it there when you were talking to Spencer Schnell last night on the Red Zone. They have two quarterbacks. Now, when I think about that right now, they obviously now Jake Kobe is not a bad quarterback. He just he has a few things he still has to work on. Now he's he's a he's a senior now. But you know, it's like with any quarterback in football, whether it be professional or collegiate, you you have that other quarterback for that reason. They're probably gonna hopefully, in my opinion, see some good things from Brady Davis, maybe bring in Colby if they're, as you mentioned, maybe blowing out, say, Xavier, let's say next Saturday they bring in Colby a little bit, see what maybe he can do with the offense, and maybe they choose a different quarterback every other game, or, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. That's going to be a really interesting quarterback battle this season. So how could you maybe see that unfold on um, Saturday night next week? Next week? So obviously Brady Davis' is start. He's a starting quarterback, and – uh, just going back to Jake Colby real quick, he is no longer the starter, but he is still a captain on the team. He is still a team captain, so, you know, he's going to play that role either either if he's on the field or off the field. He's going to play that captain role. You have Brady Davis starting, you know, he's going to be a good quarterback. And like Spencer Schnell said, they feel like they have two quarterbacks, and by saying that, you have two guys that you can you can play a, a dual quarterback game. You can give Brady Davis a series. You can give Jake Colby a series. Like it's, it, you, they are interchangeable, and that's a really good thing to have. No, it's going to be really exciting, Hector. And as we mentioned, the home opener in Illinois State Redbird Nation football will be back on the campus in Bloomington Normal once again. Hopefully fans will be filling the seats there in Hancock Stadium. It will be one to watch as they host St. Xavier that will be a 6.30 p.m. tip-off kickoff there at Hancock Stadium. That's going to be one to watch there, Hector. Now going into the professional sports segment, we're going to start with the Chicago Bears. And we mentioned it in the intro there, Hector. They are opening at home in their fourth preseason game. Now they still have one more left after this one as well. Mm -hmm. That will be against the Buffalo Bills. But Saturday afternoon, it's going to be like a little bit of deja vu there for Matt Nagy. He just 
came to this new team in, here in Chicago in the Windy City. We're glad to have him here, of course. Uh, no offense to John Fox, but it was time for him to go after yeah. a few years. Mm-hmm. But he's facing his old superior head coach that he worked under as an offensive coordinator. The Kansas City Chiefs, who were just incredible in the playoffs last year, the emergence of Kareem Hunt, Tyree Kill, they have a new quarterback now, Patrick Mahomes. We could talk a lot about this right now, but just what are your opening thoughts about this matchup for Matt, not just the Bears, but Matt Nagy? Because I, I believe, in my opinion, it's going to be a test already for him as what we can maybe see from him as a head coach in the regular season. Yeah, I, you know, Matt Nagy, like you said, came from the Chiefs. He was under Andy Reid, and um, Andy Reid had nothing but high praise for Matt Nagy. You know, he, I believe he was quoted saying that of all the people, all the coaches that have came out from underneath him, that Matt Nagy is the one that is most set up for success, to have success as a head coach. So, you know, it's going to be bittersweet. You know, Matt Nagy, he's finally a head coach, but he's playing his old team, his old coach you know his old he's gonna be seeing his old friends and the other coaches and stuff but I just want them to just keep working it's a preseason get your players the reps they need and keep working on what you need to work on and maybe just hopefully they'll go out and get that preseason win yeah there's something we haven't seen yet from the Bears this offseason or correct the regular season uh as they're preparing for it here there's a player that just a Finally, sign with Bears. Bears fans like me and you here, Hector, we were holding our hands, we all praying, hey, let's hope Roquan Smith signs. You know, good personality, it seems like. Great first-round pick, I think, by the Chicago Bears defense. We'd had to just Vic Fangio's incredible arsenal there on that defensive side of the football. What uh, growth can we hopefully maybe see from him uh, playing in the preseason? Now, there's not much left of the preseason, but they might, like, maybe say, hey, we'll put him in for a little bit, see what he could do. And Al Robinson, the offensive side. We haven't seen much from him either. He's recovering from that ACL injury he had with Jacksonville last year. Just hearing those two names, maybe, like, what are you thinking, Hector, at this point with these two players, the remaining part of the preseason, and maybe a role they hopefully will find in the right form of the regular season? Yeah, it's definitely nice to finally see Roquan Smith in a Bears uniform. Finally nice and got that contract signed. He's working now. God darn that tackle they just added. Yeah. Um, They... I just want to see, even if he doesn't play a lot, I would like to see Roquan Smith to get some reps, you know, especially with the amount of training camp he missed. Um, every rep is that much more important for him now. He does, He's nowhere near the same amount of reps that everyone else has gotten. So every rep he can get is that much more valuable. And um, I think he needs as many as possible to get into game form as quick as possible because... The Bears need him to be an impactful player on their defense. And they talked a lot about this. As we mentioned, the Bears, they formally played the Denver Broncos last weekend. That was a very close game, Hector. 24-23, that was a comeback for the Chicago Bears. We finally have a backup quarterback I think we can all believe in here with Chase Daniel. Daniel Bray also being in that uh, group of quarterbacks below. Mitchell Trubisky, who's in his second year in the National Football League. There's a lot of players to watch. Now, you talk about Tariq Cohen, who's a great slot receiver and backup running back, to their, their lead running back, who's undoubtedly Jordan Howard still at this point, just a great player, bell cow-type running back that can you can easily get 100 yards out of yeah. every game uh, over there in Soldier Field and on the road. But I think, in my opinion, Anthony Miller is an exciting wide receiver. They traded up with the New England Patriots in the draft just to 
about a month or two ago to pick him in the second round. We knew they were going to bring in wide receivers. What do you, that that guy could really catch the ball and just run, Hector. I think that's – now you think about Allen Robinson, Josh Bellamy, Taylor Gabriel is one we haven't seen much of. This is just an exciting Bears offense. What are your thoughts on uh, new wide receiver Anthony Miller? I mean, the kid can just run. Uh, yeah, the kid can play. I'm really excited to see him out on the – like in a regular season game when full speed, you know. Um, but I'm – I'm excited for the season just because, you know, we made, we got those additions we needed. And Mitch Trubisky finally has a, a decent receiving core. We he might has, actually see some more from him now this he year. He has guys to throw to. You know, he's going into his second year. Hopefully we see him throw the ball more, throw the ball downfield more. He has a, a really uh, quarterback-friendly head coach. So, you know, that's good to see Matt Nagy, you know, definitely been working with him. So hopefully you can see a lot of improvement uh, this year from last year. And with that with that receiving core he now has, he has those guys to throw to. He has the running backs he needs still. Um, I think the whole offense is set up for success this year. And as we mentioned, the Bears are playing the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Saturday afternoon now. New Bears head coach Matt Nagy. He's gonna have, you know, we I mentioned it there. What I thought a little bit, Hector, a test. Now, now every coach will have a test in the preseason, but this is a stage where fans are gonna be watching what he does. Now they've, there's been a lot of praise with Matt Nagy. Is a lot of players have said they love his personality. They love how he connects them. You know, Jordan Howard and Mitch Trubisky have just raved with how great he is to work with on new plays. Like they'll say he'll come up with a play all of a sudden in the next practice sometimes. What are your predictions for this game? They're facing a Chiefs team that is going to have a new quarterback, so it's almost going to be level in the playing field for both quarterbacks on both teams, but the Chiefs have a lot more experience with their offense and their defense. How do you think Matt Nagy can maybe use some of his knowledge from last year working with the Chiefs to hopefully get a victory for the Bears at home? Um, so obviously he has some knowledge of the Chiefs' systems and the way they play, so he can use that. Like It'll be slightly easier for him to game plan against them you know he'll have that slight edge he has that information he knows how they play so that he'll that'll give them a slight edge but and i want i would obviously he's going to come out he's going to coach hard it's, it's still the preseason but he's still going to coach hard even if you look back to the i want to say it was their first official preseason game but it was their second game against yeah, the that, Bengals after the Hall of Fame yeah, it yeah, was just incredible the Hall of Fame game against the Bengals Bears were down it was garbage time in the fourth quarter and Matt Nagy was still coaching that game as if it was a regular season game and you love to see that you love to see a coach who's out there coaching his hardest and coaching to win so I feel like we're gonna see that we're gonna see a little more than that just because they're playing the Chiefs there's you know a little a little bit at stake there. It's his old stomping ground. Maybe a new rivalry even yeah, here in the National yeah. Football so League. Yeah, so definitely um, I feel like he's just going to come out, coach hard, and coach for the win. And that's what we're going to hope for here, Hector. As we mentioned, the Chicago Bears, they will be playing Saturday afternoon. That is a 1 p.m. Eastern tip-off, 12 p.m. Central time, over at good old Soldier Field on the south side of Chicago. The Chicago Bears facing Matt Nagy's old team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now moving into Hector's favorite part of the show, I'm sure, Hector, it's Baseball, but we're going to start with the White Sox over there on the south side. Uh, we're, going to work, we're going to work our way up north. The White Sox are currently in play on the road in what will be a three-game road matchup this weekend against the Detroit Tigers. Following that, they will be playing three games on the road in dreaded New York Yankee Stadium this season. The bomb 
home run hitting squad of Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gary Sanchez, and Gleyber Torres they will be facing after this. But just checking into the game here as it is in play, Ronaldo Lopez currently has seven strikeouts, three walks, two earned runs of the two. The Tigers have currently as they lead the Chicago White Sox in the bottom of the sixth with no outs, two to nothing as Nick Castellanos is up to bat for the Tigers. Now, Hector, these are two teams that are in, you know, the Detroit's going to have a long time before it even starts its rebuild, the way those Dombrowski-style salaries were put together on aging players like Verlander and just right off the bat, Miguel Cabrera is an obvious one. Yeah. But the White Sox are in a really good direction in this rebuild. You have to, you know, just seeing the pieces, how they are in the minors, Nick Madrigal, their first-round pick already with single-A team Winston-Salem already after the draft just a month ago or two back in June there. And uh, Michael Kopech, the fans have also waited for Eloy Jimenez, who we're going to talk about here in a little bit, something interesting he said in the media. But Michael Kopech finally made his major league debut. They found that out Sunday after, which had to be one of, a favorite moment for me as a Sox fan, uh, one of the best uh, first basemen in Sox history, Paul Canerco. You know, it talks last year. Hawk Carrollson's a very famous broadcaster in Chicago sports mm-hmm. for the Southsiders. Uh, his play time there and then as a broadcaster. But hearing him, Paul Canerco, and then Kopech coming up, that's a that's a two-for-one day on that last Sunday yeah. there for the Sox. And mm-hmm. Now, you obviously watch the game a little bit, you know, seeing some of the top prospects as they perform. You know, as a Cub fan, you, you, you enjoyed watching the prospects as they came up to the major leagues, as we all do. What were your opening thoughts about Michael Kopech's game? Now, of course, he didn't get to play too much, you know, Gotta love those rain delays. I know you guys remember from that uh, Game 7 in the World Series. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, rain delays can really change a game. Yes, but they can. What did you like to, what, what, what did you like from what you saw from uh, the new Sox uh, rotation phenom, right-hander Michael Kopech? Um, he looked really good. And I was, I was not expecting him to look that good. And he looked really good on the bump out there. You yeah, know, I know we was, talked about it. You actually were... Having him give up a good amount of six runs that he yeah. predicted down at the station there. Yeah, I did, I did, and I was not expecting him to come out as strong as he did. He was in command of all all of his pitches. He was commanding the strike zone. Um, he was commanding those corners. You know, he and it, it's a shame that it had to rain and the start got cut short because I feel like he was he was going to have a really good start. But as we even talked about this afternoon, just before the, the pre-recording of the show tonight, his pitch count. Pitch count, pitch count, pitch count. Now, that's anything with any baseball team, any pitcher, whether it be a veteran, a newcomer, or just an aging player with some still experience. You always have to watch the pitch count. Now, in my opinion, this is just a fan's opinion, you know, an aspiring broadcaster. I'm not like a Rick Renteria or the great Theo Epstein over on the north side there. But to me, a pitcher that can average at least 16 to 18 pitches in inning. Like if you can, you know, break down those nine innings and a pitch count, you'll see that from a lot of great pitchers. Now, yeah. The thing, I, 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 I like what you said there about Kopech. I agree he could have given up some runs. You know, we, we don't know what would have happened in those final seven innings there. I just think right off the bat, first off, the Sox made a really good approach taking them out after those two innings. Was, players can slip and have injuries in, after right yeah. We've seen that a lot in the major leagues with teams that, you know, are going toward the postseason or, you know, losing record and just finishing out the year. We've seen that a lot now. A lot of listeners here might not remember that Michael Kopech was one of four pieces along with Luis Alexander Basabe and White Sox starting second baseman Yuan Moncada. They came over to Chicago in the Chris Sale trade. So 
Kopech was the second piece in that deal, Hector. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're already seeing a lot of key pieces. And Kopech, you know, we talked about the two innings. He had four strikeouts and gave up only three hits and no walks. That guy can throw the ball hard. I remember when he first came to Chicago, you know, the organization at least for that matter, the guy was throwing 105 miles per hour, 100 miles per hour. Yeah. You do not see that a lot for major league starters. No, especially a starter. You don't. It's it's tough to be a starter and throw the ball that hard, and uh, he can do it. He has that velocity, and he, he can maintain the velocity. He can sustain it. So if he can do that, I just being able to throw the ball that hard as a starting pitcher put gives you a little edge. No, they and, really need that edge now in this rebuild yeah, too. You know, throwing that hard as a pitcher, it gets it gets the batters like they're off balance. You know, you can't if you can throw a 98, 99 mile an hour fastball, and then you have an 83 mile an hour changeup. You know, these these hitters don't know what to look for. Expect the unexpected, yeah. pretty much. And just another thing to mention: the White Sox are at 48.79, but this team it. This saying is going to be with the team for years, even when they're competing. Ricky's boys are not quitting. Ricky Renterio doesn't quit. He had to go to the hospital just a few days ago, but luckily he's back with the team safely. You know, he's just a great baseball mind. You know, he was part of that Cubs team's push to 2016, even though he, you know, got let go, but, you know, respectively let go when they brought in Joe Madden. It's good to see him on in Chicago, still on the south side, of course. And just a closing thought here, Hector. It's a player... You, you wish probably wouldn't have left the Chicago Cubs, but you got good old Jose Quintana, who Cubs uh, faithful are just continuing to embrace on that north side of Chicago. Eloy Jimenez, the White Sox top prospect now after Kopech was called up, came out to the media saying he looks forward to helping the Sox win not one, not two, but multiple championships when he's called up moving forward. That was uh, forwarded and retweeted by good old White Sox reporter Chuck Garfine. He does a good job with the team there. Mm-hmm. And... I want to get your thoughts on that because you obviously have probably followed Eloy when he first was signed by the Chicago Cubs in the international uh, market and, you know, up until he got traded. But I'm sure you're still probably excited to see what he does in Major League Baseball. So just hearing that, what does this say about the future stars and young talent the White Sox can look forward to for the next few years? Um, I, I think as a, if, obviously I'm a Cubs fan, but looking at it from the perspective of a, of a Sox fan, even just as a baseball fan in general, when you have your, he's one of your top two, three prospects, ready to come up that fast, like ready. He's he wants to be up. He's he hungry. Wants to be playing major league baseball. Yeah, it gets me excited, and he's good. It's he's really good. He's been tearing it up down there, and he wants to be up. He wants to he wants to produce up here. He wants to help the team get better up here, and you know it's just a matter of time before he's doing that. So it, it, looking at it from a Sox fan's perspective, I'm. I'd be really excited for what the future holds for him. As we mentioned, the Chicago White Sox are on the road for the next, we're going to mention six games. They're in action right now, uh, still in the bottom of the sixth over in good old Comerica Park. The White Sox will be facing the Detroit Tigers for two more games. They will be sending Lucas Giolito to the mound on Saturday. And new White Sox phenom pitcher just called up. This past weekend, Michael Kopech will be making his first full game start. He doesn't have a win yet. His ERA hasn't even fluctuated just yet, Hector. So I think playing against Detroit will be his first test in the major leagues. Following that, they go and face the 79-47, and a stunning record for the New York Yankees. Pretty much almost flip-flopped by the Sox record at 48-79 for the Southsiders. They face the Yankees for three more games. 
Now going into the part of the show that Hector's been waiting for all evening, it's the Northside Chicago Cubs, who I'm just going to start with it right here, Hector. It, I didn't have this scripted until just a few hours ago as the game ended you know, right in the middle of the afternoon there, so it's quick changes here. David Bodie comes up to the team midseason, and just tell us a little bit about him from what you know as a Cub fan. You obviously know a little more than I do about David Bodie, uh, you know, coming up with the team, uh, maybe his background a little bit, and just the new walk-off king in uh, the north side. Yeah, he's gonna be He's going to be known for that for many years to come. Yeah. Um, you know, young kid, took him – He's been on a journey, you know, it took him a long time to get up to the major league level. Uh, earlier in the season, he was that guy when someone would go on, a D, go on a quick DL stint, he was the one they'd call up and then they'd send him right back down. Um, but, you know, he's he's good. he's making it really hard for the Cubs to keep sending him down with the way he plays. You know, he's a real, vers- he's a real versatile player. You know, even with just these, he had the walk-off grand slam against the Nationals, he had the walk-off home run today, this afternoon. Um, even with that, his defensive play, he can play third base, second base, you know, um, that's probably where they praise him the most is his defensive abilities. Um, I remember hearing, I think it was, uh, David Bodie actually talking about it when he arrived in the spring, when he arrived, uh, to camp with the Cubs, um, Brian Butterfield knew who David Bodie was because of his defense. So if he can play defense, and that that's one that's probably the Cubs one of their main strengths right there. Just an incredible defense. outfield defense. Incredible right outfield defense. You have Jason Hayward and right. You have Kyle Schwarber, who there's times he did does misread balls, but he has a, he has a cannon. And you, Albert Almora too. And Albert is another Almora one to watch. is a vacuum glove. Justin, that guy can just get and right at the you, ball. They can throw out Ian Happ there, probably top two fastest guys on the team, you know, and then you go into their infield, you have David Bodie, Chris Bryant on the DL, but Chris Bryant, you know, Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant. Exactly. Yeah. That guy could hit a home run undoubtedly any time. He can hit a home plays. run anytime. You make any play on the field. He can also play anywhere on the field. You have Javi Baez, you can play anywhere on the field. It's probably the best, not probably, Javi Baez is the best defensive player in Major League Baseball. You have Anthony Rizzo at first base. You have Addison Russell, who's kind of been struggling. He's not now on the DL, but you know he's always he, there's always that chance where he can go deep. You know he's not a bad player. You have Wilson Contreras behind the plate. You know one of the best young catchers in the league, in my opinion. There definitely, definitely. You know, and the the Cubs' depth is just it's astounding. electric. You know they just traded for Daniel Murphy. They have Ben Zobris on the bench, and then. Like we said, they have four outfielders, so whichever outfielder isn't playing will be on the can come off the bench. You have Victor Caratini on the bench. You know they're they're just really they're a really deep team, and that I feel like that's why they're they they've had so much success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more there. And you mentioned it right there, Daniel Murphy. Who yeah, I, I like what baseball does with this. They have the trade deadline, and I think they should start this probably in you know the NBA, the NFL, because it works really well for Major League Baseball and just you know, competition in the league as a whole, the waiver trade deadline. It's a period yeah. where, you know, like we've seen it in other organizations and you know, the NBA or the NFL, there's trades that could have happened, but let's say they added that waiver trade deadline and we could have seen that happen. It would have changed, it, it would make it more exciting. Now it is exciting at those trade deadlines, but it, it, there's a reason Major League Baseball's trade deadline is probably the most exciting of those three. And Daniel Murphy coming to the Chicago Cubs, he was... A big Cubs killer a few years ago back in that 
uh, well-known game. Hector will probably remember this one. It's uh, probably uh, one he doesn't like to think about when Daniel Murphy had those key four home runs uh, in the series with the New York Mets at Wrigley yes, Field. Yeah, I remember that. And it just not even – he's – not even just back to that series, even in his time in Washington, Daniel Murphy, I think, was hitting, I don't know the exact number, but he, just in Wrigley Field, batting over 400. And he's coming in to the team this and year with now, 300 as well. And now he is playing Wrigley Field as his home stadium now, so he's obviously comfortable bat hitting in Wrigley, and now he gets to do it a lot. So I, I feel like that that really elevated the Cubs. And the elephant in the room, sadly, though, Hector, you Darvish, they gave him that six-year contract. He's sitting for the rest of the year. And that that's just something to think about uh, when I was reading up a little bit on the Cubs and what I, we quoted on the show a few episodes ago. Uh, Alex Dolanar, one of our well-known co-hosts on the show, called it the year of Javi Baez for the Cubs. Uh, you could say that about a lot of players, maybe the year David Bodie even at this point. But just you see the competition. Now it's a... Of course, the Cubs, I think, in my opinion, will probably pull out the division at this point. You know, the Cardinals and the Brewers. The Brewers are probably the one the Cubs are going to have to watch for the most of their division rivals at this point in the NL Central. But the two teams I'm sure you're even thinking about with their competition, maybe, you know, looking at early playoff matchups here in the DS or the NLCS, Atlanta and Arizona are, are two to watch for. So, you know, with this injury and, you know, the emergence of David Bodie and Daniel Murphy coming to town on the north side, when you're thinking about this, these postseason hopes, the Cubs, now they're going to get in the postseason, but their hopes for what will happen in the postseason, what do you see them doing against you know, these NL competition teams in the regular season and the playoffs? You know, I still think the Cubs are the favorites in the National League to make the World Series. Obviously, there's a lot more competition. Now, this a lot year. can happen, though, of course, not to be a Root Sox fan, but there's, a lot can happen. There's a lot of competition this year compared to the years before, you know, you not only do you have the Cardinals who are now in second place and the Brewers who are now in third place, but you have in the National League West, you have the Dodgers, you have the Diamondbacks, you have the Rockies, and then you go to the National League East, you have the Braves and you have the Phillies. So that that there's a lot of competition, but again, the Cubs, I believe the Cubs are the favorite in the National League to make the World Series and um, I, it'll be tough for this year. I still think they're going to do it. And I, I feel like the way they've been playing, they just keep playing the way they're playing. You know, they're starting to figure it out a little. Pitching is still – our starters still need to get it together a little bit. But if, if they can do that, then I think the Cubs are – They're in it to win it pretty much. Yes. As we mentioned, the Chicago Cubs won in 10 innings today at home, 3-2 to two against the Cincinnati Reds. Jesse Chavez, newly acquired Cub at the trade deadline – Goes to a record of 4-2 on the year. Russell Iglesias for the Reds on the other end of top of the lineup game there goes to a record of 2-2. Two and two. The next game for the Cubs is tomorrow afternoon, August 25th at 1.20 p.m. Jose Quintana will be on the mound for the Northsiders against the Reds. Following that, the Cubs will be facing one more game against the Reds, so there's two final ones there. And Daniel Murphy will be facing his old team, from that dreaded NCLS game you were just talking about here, Hector, they will be coming to Wrigley Field, the New York Mets. So a lot to cover there with the Chicago Cubs. We're going to keep covering them in what will probably be another exciting Major League Baseball postseason, as it is every year. Now going into the show, the part of the show I, 
I'm sure you're looking forward to even at this point. It's sadly towards the end, but you know we've had a good time talking sports yeah, tonight. It, it yeah. all has to come to an end. A lot of fun. Point. Yeah. You were excited about this segment, I know too. Uh, it's Will's sports movie moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest co-host, and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment from their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern day sports. Listeners can hop onto the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and other social media outlets for the show and post their own sports movie moment favorites. Hector, I'm going to start off. I know you're uh, still mulling over what will probably be a really good one we're going to hear tonight. Mine's going to go with an interesting story. It's a good brief story here. You know, we were talking about the, you know, we talked about the red and white football scrimmage, right? Yeah. When I was there, I was sitting, you know, there's a lot of freshmen, new students coming to Illinois State. It's very exciting to see how they are, you know, enjoying the atmosphere, you know, Mm -hmm. just starting college and everything. But what about one that doesn't know a famous football movie like the one I'm about to use? It's the movie Rudy. Now, this girl was sitting next to me during the scrimmage. You know, I'm going to get to know this dude. You get to know my fellow classmates or uh-huh. new fellow classmates a little bit. And, you know, the girl says, hey, I'm uh, new here. I like Notre Dame, so I'm excited for college football here at ISU. But I have not seen the movie Rudy. Now, that's really shocking to me. My yeah. dad actually, interesting point here, named the dog we had growing up after Rudy Rudiger, which is pretty really? which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, he has a famous Rudy jacket there. And that's going to go into my movie scene. Now, I'm sure you've seen the movie Rudy before, which is yeah. probably one of the best football yeah, movies out classic. there. Yeah, definitely a classic. The scene I'm going to pick, now it's going to compare with Illinois State football here. O'Hara was a, a running back that the team was uh, starting under uh, their head coach at the time. Uh, and it's, you know, Rudy's just on the walk-on team. He's, yeah. you know, he, he wasn't the tallest player, the most athletic player. He basically outlines you can do whatever you want in life, you know, if you put your mind to it, with, with, however you are, you know, with learning disability or, you know, not – having those advantages other players have. And he was in practice, and the scene goes as O'Hare gets really mad at him when, you know, Rudy's playing all out. And that's what their head coach really liked. And now this is the coach before Dan Devine from the dreaded Green Bay Packers in the National Football League there. I know us Bears fans shiver at Mm -hmm. that talk there. But the scene goes, you know, they're doing drills. Now, you've probably seen a lot of football drills before. You know, the defensive player – Getting set along again up against one of the offensive players, just testing out those drills for you know regular games. Mm-hmm. And O'Hara yells, and I can remember it right from the movie, like it was yesterday. He's on, oh, this player's, you know, Rudy's playing like this, and he he's just a walk on. He thinks it's the freaking Super Bowl. And you know, the head coach of Notre Dame just goes up to him and says, O'Hara, if you had half the heart Rudy did, you'd already be an All American. Go to the prep team. So. The way that compares to Illinois State now, Jake Colby didn't go down on completely bad terms. You know, he's he had some issues, you know, playing, but like you said, he still has a lot of promise with the team. But that's like Jake Colby getting bumped down to backup currently and Brady Davis coming into the Illinois State team. Now, this Illinois State team has almost energy like you could see from that Notre Dame team. They had, yeah. you know, their captain on the defensive side, you know, and just other key players. But it excites what... We're going to see from Redbird fans, and I was actually watching the movie about a month ago before I came back to Illinois State with my dad, who's a, a, a big supporter as as well of Redbird football and just Redbird athletics as an alum. But it, it a movie like that and a, seeing a scene like that opens your eyes to like what you were talking about earlier there. You know, they're going to have two quarterbacks there. It's going to be an interesting 
thing that we keep talking about throughout the year. What happens with one quarterback or maybe how the other one will move up. So that's going to be my movie moment. A lot of excitement from that movie scene that will hopefully translate into Redbird Nation. Now, Hector, what is your first ever Will Sports movie moment choice tonight? So my first ever movie moment, you know, I'm, I'm going to connect it to professional sports right now. I'm going to go kind of All right, I like that. than you did. Uh, and it, it's kind of looking at the current state of Major League Baseball and the way teams are being set up now and – you know, the way you have young teams, you guys, you have teams rebuilding. That's the era of analytics, you know. It's exactly, sabermetrics. Sabermetrics, it's all about the numbers. And uh, the movie I'm I'm thinking of right now is, is Moneyball. Oh, I love. how'd you know I love that movie, Hector? And I think we're, we're fitting really well on this show tonight, man. It's Moneyball. And, you know, you know what the movie's all about. It's, it's about Billy Bean, you know, uh, making, basically starting the, the, the revolution of, Moving to looking at numbers for to bring in guys. What know? we're seeing now, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, even even now, you look you look at the A's right now. They are they are in a hot race with the defending World Series champion. That's exciting to see, and, even in the that, AL right now. Yeah, and it, it came out of nowhere. Just like you watch Moneyball, those A's, that team wasn't that team should not have been the team they were, and and they're doing it again. And it's just not them, you know. You look at. At those teams like like the Braves and the Phillies who are having astounding years, but are seemingly ahead of their time. Just like even you look at the the Cubs in 2015 when they they made that run to the National League Championship Series, they were they were ahead of their time, and it would they they bought in to that that philosophy that that Billy Bean kind of created. And, and I'm gonna actually ask you here too in the middle of it. it I want to hear a little more emphasis on this scene uh, from the movie since you probably know it really well, Hector. Uh, we were talking about David Bodie, right, with the mm-hmm. Cubs there and that walk-off in the 10th inning, the one you mentioned against Nationals. There's a player that did just that in a well-known Oakland Athletics game back in 2002. Can you recall the name of that player, like you mentioned with Bodie, had an interesting journey to Oakland, like in Chicago? Can you... Uh, Talk a little bit about us to us with that player. Yeah, and, so uh, what he did. That scene, you know, that player. He, uh, I can't quite. Scott Hatterberg. Had, Scott Hatterberg. That is his name. Yes, he. Uh, it's a little different than David Bodie, you know. But Scott Hatterberg, he, he got hurt, so he he couldn't play. I think was he couldn't a catch, play catcher. He, he had like catcher. Really yeah, bad yeah, nerve damage. Couldn't throw. Yeah. yeah. So he was a catcher, and uh, his his career was almost over. He was ready to give up, and this actually really direct really relates to uh the day that david Bodie hit that walk off grand slam i'll connect i'll connect them but uh so he was about to give up he was ready he was going to retire but he knew his time playing major league baseball was done and then uh billy bean approached him because of the numbers that he saw from hatterberg well he then got, they had to replace giambi they had to too. replace giambi but if hatterberg wouldn't isn't a, a replacement for Giambi, but he saw those numbers. Hatterberg gets on base. So he approached Scott Hatterberg and uh, moved him. He turned him into a first baseman. You know, struggled a lot. He struggled at the plate, struggled on the field. And then there was that one game, I believe it was against, against the, the Kansas City the Royals. Kansas City Royals. He hit a walk-off home run. And you look, you look, now you look at David Bodie, although he was not hurt, it still took him a very long time to get up to the pros, and 
Um, when he hit that walk-off grand slam against the Nationals, they interviewed him on ESPN. It was at Sunday Night Baseball game primetime. They interviewed him, and uh, he said that he was at that point in his career, too. He was ready to hang up the cleats. You know, His wife was – because obviously, if, you, if the listeners don't know this, um, minor league baseball players don't get paid anything at all. They, they, don't, they don't even make minimum wage. So obviously you can't, it's, it's tough to live like that. So his wife sustained him. He lived off of his wife for a good amount of time. And he said that he was tired of doing it. He was going to hang him up and his wife didn't allow him to do it. You look at Moneyball, Scott Hatterberg's wife didn't allow him to do it. So he kept, he kept grinding. He made it up. He's, and he made it up to the major leagues and look, look where he's at now. And look, look where the team he's on is at right now. So, you know, that's, that's, that's they a great really scene right they, there. Great after. scene. They relate together, and that you that kind of translates into everyday life. You know, don't things are going to get hard. There's going to be roadblocks. You're going to have to go through some obstacles, and they they're never all going to be easy. Some might take years. It might take you years to get past one obstacle, but just keep pushing because you never know. It, it'll pay off. Obvious, it's obvious. David Bodie, major league base starting plays third base for the Chicago Cubs right now. So. Yeah, yeah I, I love that scene, Hector. I know you had you, – you told me you had a few different ones you were sorting through this afternoon, but I think that's that's like hitting the yeah. hitting it right on those there, man. Very good job mm-hmm. on that one. Can't wait to see your next ones when you come back on the show. And sadly, this is all the time we have in Episode 16 of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. I know Hector's wishing it could keep going on tonight. No, let's keep it going. Look, I love talking sports. Couldn't agree more, buddy. Tune in next time as new guest co-host Joey Dwyer – fellow WZND news and sports reporter on the campus of ISU will join us for his first time on the show to cover the Illinois State volleyball team's early non-conference action, how the Illinois State football team did in their home opener, which takes place next Saturday, as we mentioned, against St. Xavier, the Chicago Bears recap of the Chiefs Bears game, getting you ready for their final preseason game against the Buffalo Bills, continued talk of the regular season uh, for the White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. I want to thank Hector Carrion for coming on tonight. Uh, for his first time as a guest co-host and what was a fun time talking sports. So, Hector, thanks for being a part of Fifth Quarter Sports Talk tonight. We hope to have you back here as soon as possible. Yeah, thanks for having me, definitely. I mean, honestly, if you needed a co-host next next episode, I'd do it. I uh, love that enthusiasm. That's yeah, really no, great for the Thanks for having show. me. I'll definitely be back on. I love to hear that, Hector. When buzzer sounds at the end of a game, turn to us for your Fifth Quarter Sports Talk. I'm your host, Will Farrell, and my guest co-host, Hector Carrion saying so long from Will's Fifth Quarter Special. To continue to hear your Fifth Quarter Sports Talk, you can check out all of Will's Fifth Quarter Specials. Go to WilliamDFarlow.com. To share your Will's Sports Movie Moment like we do on the show, post it on the Facebook page or on our Twitter at WilliamDFarlow. The Fifth Quarter never stops here on Will's Fifth Quarter Special.